This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Today we're going to look at another parable. So if you want to go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. This is a parable all about new things happening in new ways. So this morning's message is called New Day, New Way. I have the privilege on such a celebration morning, I have the privilege of bringing the word to you this morning. New Day, New Way. This parable we're about to read is all about a new day happening in a new way. Matthew chapter 9. Then John's disciples came, to, came and asked him, which is Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom, and Jesus is talking about himself here, the, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour wine, uh, new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Or in Luke's gospel, the same parable, he told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine will want the new one, for he says, the old is better. So today we're talking about this idea, new wine into new wineskins. New day, new way. God is up to something new, isn't he? We are in this groundbreaking time in the, in the life of Life Church, And we believe this for you, for your life, for your family, for your community, for your town, your village, your area, your place of work, that God is up to something new. It's a new day. And God wants to do something in a new way. That is our message this morning. New day, new way. But this parable actually starts with a question. Uh, And as Jeff has spoken about the last few weeks, most parables do start with a question. It's not Jesus is stood on a platform preaching. He's often just asked a question, and his reply is often a story, a parable that helps to bring some kind of understanding, not just a quick answer, but some kind of understanding about the kingdom of God, some kind of understanding about what God is up to. So the question here that is asked in Matthew's gospel is, why don't your disciples fast? We fast, and the Pharisees, this other religious group, they fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And the answer that Jesus gave was, because I'm with them. Because I'm with them right now. But there will be a time to fast. There will be a time to fast. And we have just finished a week of prayer and fasting as a church. And maybe you fasted for the first time this week. And that is awesome. If you fasted for the first time this week and kind of participated in that week of prayer and fasting... That is amazing. That is, a, that is a great spiritual discipline. And let's ask the question, why, why do we fast? Jesus was asked the question, why don't your disciples fast in this moment? 
And he gave them the answer that I just told you. But let's look at the question, why, why do we fast? Just for a few moments. Many people in this room may have fasted for the first time, and that, that is awesome. But why, why do we actually do it? Is it to appease God? And maybe some of us, that's our thinking. I'm going to not do something, so God then will do something good for me. I'm going to go without, so that God might not be angry at me anymore. Maybe some of you have that perception of God. I'm going to do something to appease God or to appease some authority figure up there. Maybe some of us kind of view God a bit like a machine, you know, like I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my spiritual activity, praying fast, put the money in the machine, pull the lever and then expect God to do something next. Now, maybe some of us have that mindset that God's almost like a slot machine and we can put the money in, we can do our thing and then God now has to do something in response to that. Why do we fast? Is it to appease God? Is it to work God, work the slot machine God? Or is it actually something better? I want to suggest there's something better. So just in case you're missing that, I don't think it's those two. (laughs) I don't think it's either of those two. I think actually fasting, and the reason we fasted as a church community, was to prepare ourselves. God is about to do something incredible amongst us. And we wanted to prepare ourselves. We wanted to fast and pray in preparation for what God is doing. It's a, it's a spiritual preparation. That's one of the reasons we fast. I also recognize that when Jesus fasted in the desert, he said that man doesn't live by bread alone. He had this, this revelation of, actually, there's something more that gives nourishment to my body. There's something more that gives satisfaction to my body. And it's this, doing the will of God. There's something more satisfying and more nourishing than food. Now, I love food. You don't have, you know, that's probably not a shock. I love food. And I'm sure you enjoy food too. But, but the principle of fasting teaches us something deeper. That there's something that brings more nourishment and more satisfaction to our lives than enjoying a good meal. And that is doing the will of God. We've just honored somebody who, we've, who many of you have seen lead as a man of God, leading in the will of God for the past 15 and 25 years. Uh, And I'm sure Jeff has many, many stories of how his greatest satisfaction is coming by seeing God's purposes done, by seeing the will of God done. That's why we fast. And maybe just another reason, and certainly one of the reasons I fast, is justice or injustice, that I suddenly realize, you know, I have enough food, (laughs) I have enough food. And Jesus prays his prayer, give us today our daily bread. When you've not eaten for a while, we fasted as a life group. So when we ate on Thursday night, we said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is good food. When you've not eaten for a while, you're really thankful, aren't you? When you've not drunk for a while, and when you're, when you're really thirsty, that first sip of water, oh, it's amazing. And Jesus prays his prayer, doesn't he? Thank um, Thank you for our daily bread. That's that's part of the Lord's Prayer, that we thank God for our daily bread. Maybe we're more thankful the hungrier we are. But I also realize, as I'm fasting, I realize I'm going to eat later. But there's some people on the planet who won't, who maybe don't have food in their bellies or food in their cupboards or access to water. So actually, when I fast, it reminds me of God's heart for people who don't have. So why do we fast? Well, there's... There's a bunch of reasons for you. And that's how this parable starts. But then Jesus goes on to talk about a new garment 
and new wine and new wineskins. And, and what is this all about? It's all about this idea that through Jesus, something brand new was happening. That through Jesus, a new day was being ushered in. That through Jesus, something brand new was beginning. A new day of salvation. A new day of salvation. Prior to Jesus, people would have thought the law is the only way to be saved. But suddenly there was a new day of salvation because of Jesus. There was a new day of grace because of Jesus. There was a new day of possibility. The Bible says this amazing thing. It says that because of Jesus, you can now boldly approach the throne room of grace. You can come into the presence of God because of, because of Jesus. A new day was beginning. Colossians says that Jesus is the fullness of God in human form. A new day was happening. A new new wine, new wineskin. Suddenly, God wasn't somewhere else. Suddenly, God was with us. Jesus, Colossians says, is the fullness of God in human form. Ephesians says that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's master plan. I love that in Ephesians 1. It talks about this idea that for, for generations, this secret has been unveiled. And suddenly in Jesus, it's fully revealed that Jesus is God's master plan. In Luke, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus is the light of heaven that's about to break upon the earth. A new day began in Jesus. A new day began in Jesus. And for those of you in this room that don't know Jesus, a new day can begin, can begin in you. For those in this room that have known Jesus for a long time, today can be a new day. Today can be a breakthrough day for you. Today can be a groundbreaking day for you. The light from heaven is about to break upon us. And a lot of us in this room are very excited about the new day. You know, a lot of us in this room are very excited about the day not long from now where we'll be doing church in that building. We'll be worshipping God in that building. When we'll be together in that building. A lot of us are very excited about that day. But I also recognize that in the new day, there is a challenge. We, we recognize this, don't we? The challenge of the new day. The new day challenges a few things. One thing it challenges is the status quo. Status quo is not just a band that have been around for about 300 years. It's not just that. Status quo is the way things are. That's the status quo, the way things are. So the new day obviously challenges the way things are, doesn't it? Because it's a new day. <laughs> the new day says, the way things are, we're going to move on. The way things are right now, we are about to move on. So the new day is a challenge. The new day says for those, if you remember, this is a long time ago for some of us, but that day of when you were in primary school, year six, and you were the top dog, you know, you were the biggest kid in the school, and then you step into year seven, unless you go to Burnley High School, where that is the oldest group in the school. But then you step into this new school and you are in the land of giants. You know, suddenly everyone is twice the size of you. And for some people, the new day is scary. The new day is actually something to be feared, maybe, for some people. The new day is a challenge about growing up. I'm not a child anymore. I'm now a young person. You know, I'm not a young person anymore. I'm an adult. So for some people, the new day is a challenge of, I have to grow up. I have to move on. There's some things where I've been stuck in this status quo, but the new day is a day where we have to move on. Maybe for some of us, the new day is a day of preparation. I like it how things are. <laughs> I like where we are. Um, but we have to move on. 
the new day says we have to move on. Where we've been has been good, but there is a new day. Three, three things I want to say to us this morning about, if that, if that is for you, you know, for a lot of us, the idea of a new day maybe sounds very attractive. There might be people in this room that are saying, fresh start, yes, that is what I want, a fresh start. Maybe there's people in this room that are saying, new beginning? If new day means new beginning, I'll have that. I'll have a new beginning. But for maybe some people in this room, the idea of new day sounds more like a day of mourning. Like the new day means that something old is dying or fading away. Or the new day is something to be treated with sadness. Now, maybe that's true for some of you in this room. So let me just uh, speak into that. Are you with me? Yeah. Awesome. The first thing I want to say is this, if you are, if you feel challenged about the new day, and I'm not just talking about the new building, but I'm talking about the new day that God is calling you into. If you feel challenged about that new day, here's some pastoral input. The first thing is this, is to hold onto things lightly. That has been a life lesson that I've learned, to hold onto things lightly. There's so many things that we give high value to that are so temporary. And there's so many things that will last forever that we give such little value to. Hold on to things lightly. Things like this, positions, positions and titles. It might be that in the old day, we had this position or this role or this title. But in the new day, things are going to change. In the new day, things might well change. And that might include our position or our title or our role. And that is a challenge, isn't it, for some of us, that my Position, my title, my role defines who I am. Well, in the new day, here's some encouragement for you. In the kingdom of God, there's always jobs. In the kingdom of God, there's always a role. In the kingdom of God, there's always a position. There's always a role for everyone in this room to play in the kingdom of God. It's one of the great things about doing life in ministry that you never run out of work. (laughs) There's never a problem with finding work to do when you're working for God, when you're working with people. So in the kingdom of God, your position might change. Hold on to things lightly, but be confident of this, that in the new day, there is a role for you. You are incredibly valuable. You are incredibly precious. You're incredibly important, not just to life church, but to God. When God looks at you, he doesn't just see a position or a title. He sees his precious child whom he wants to partner with to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's heart. So you are incredibly important. Hold on to things lightly, positions. Hold on to things lightly, like possessions. You know, possession, it's a funny word, isn't it? Because we think we own them, but oftentimes they own us. You know, that sense of possession that we think we're in control of the possession, but maybe actually they possess us, (laughs) that they have possession over us. Hold on to things lightly, your positions and your possessions. Some things we're so precious about that are temporary. Some things we don't treat highly enough that actually will last forever. You are valuable, but your stuff doesn't give you value. You are valuable, but your stuff doesn't give you value. So that's the first thing I want to say to you. If you are challenged or feel a sense of mourning or loss about this new day, well, allow, allow God to speak that into you, to hold on to things lightly. Second thing is this, and Dan's going to come and help me with this. Second thing is this, letting go so you can pick up the new thing. God wants to give us something new. 
It's a new day. And in a moment, I'm going to talk to you about the new way. It is a new day, and this new day, God knows how to give his children good gifts. God has got something, and it's not for Mazda. Okay, so don't worry about that. (laughs) God has got something good for you in this new day. But I think often it's like this. Dan's a strong guy. That's why I've picked him for this. Often it's like this, that um, we carry lots of baggage in our life. And two, two bags, we all know this, don't we? We've got two arms, two bags, we can balance ourselves. But there's a, there's a third bag for you, Dan, and then a, then a fourth bag. And uh, let's see how you get on with the fifth bag, if you got that. Don't worry, my shopping is not in there. So we'll just leave, there, leave Dan there for a moment. Oftentimes, we find our lives full of stuff, don't we? We find our lives that we're just holding on to so much baggage. Now, in these bags, there's just all kinds of random stuff. Well, for you, maybe the baggage are things like hurt, hurt that we hold on to for so many years. You know, hurt, maybe hurt from strangers. Me and Bryony once were stood uh, at a pavement about to cross the road, and this car pulled up. The man leaned out the window, looked at me, pointed, said, you, that jumper, no. (laughs) And then drove off. (laughs) Just drove off. It was a really weird moment in my life. (laughs) And um, I was hurt. I was deeply hurt. <laughs> I never wore that jumper again. And um, we crossed the road and laughed about it. And, we're like, and maybe you've been hurt by a stranger, like just some random incident in your life. You, that jumper, no. Maybe just some random incident in your life where you've been hurt by something and you're holding on to that hurt. And it's difficult, isn't it? Like it's easy to hold two bags of shopping, but... That's something that's difficult to hold on to. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody that you trusted, somebody that should have been speaking life into your life. The night before we got married eight years ago, uh, I went out for a meal with my uncle and his girlfriend and my brother and his wife. And it was a nice little meal. Um, You know, the next day, this massively significant day of my life. And as me and my uncle went to the salad table, like the salad bowl uh, in the restaurant, I was putting something in my bowl, probably salad and uh he was doing the same and we'd had a nice conversation at the table then he just turned to me and said you can't make a difference in the community that you belong to which is like a weird thing to say wasn't it you can't make a difference in the community that you belong to <laughs> like just carry on putting salad in I thought that, that is a really weird again a bit of a weird moment in my life go back to the table sit down and continue with the meal we never spoke it spoke about it again at the table and we never spoke about it again since then and for a while, it kind of gnawed at me. You know, it gnawed at me, this idea of somebody, an authority figure, a family member in my life, saying, you can't make a difference in the community that you're a part of. Wow, what a powerful thing in a negative way to, to say to somebody. Maybe there's somebody in your life who's spoken something like that, spoken some kind of hurt into your life, and you're holding onto it. You're holding onto it. That day... Uh, kind of on reflection from that conversation, I learned another life lesson, another life principle, which is this. Anybody can speak to me. I'll be friends with anybody. I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody from any background. I like people and I like making friends with people. So anybody can speak to me, but not everybody can speak into me. I decided that day, you're wrong. <laughs> like, I've heard what you've said. We can be friends because you're my uncle and you kind of have to be friends with your uncle. Uh, but you're not, you're not speaking into my life. You are not speaking into my life. I'm not 
accepting that as being true in my life. I'm actually rejecting that as something that's true in my life. And maybe for you, there's hurt. Maybe there's regret, things that you regret that you've done or things that you regret that were undone. That may be some baggage that you're holding on to today. You okay, Dan? That may be some baggage that you're holding on today, some hurt or some regret. And maybe it's something that we'd see as positive, like tradition. You know, a lot of our traditions are really good, aren't they? But maybe that's something you're holding on to today. This is the way things have always been. This is the way, thing, this is the way I like things. This is a, tradi- a tradition that we've built. But it's a new day, and there's a new way. And maybe you're holding on to that baggage today of tradition, or regret, or hurt, or maybe there's some other baggage that God is speaking to you about. Why don't we give Dan a round of applause? Thank you. So today, maybe today's a day when we put down some of that baggage and we allow God to give us something new. If your hands are full, it's hard to pick up the new thing. If your hands are full of hurt and regret, if your heart is full of hurt and regret and bitterness, maybe it's hard for God to fill it. But maybe today could be a new day. Remember in all of this, in all of this change, remember this, that God is with you. I know that's something we say a lot in church, but remember, God is with you. Whatever transition you're going through, whatever life uh, stage you're going through, whatever challenges or situations you face at the moment, God is with you. But then beyond that, God is in your future. God is ahead of you. Like God is with you today. He's strengthening you today. He's giving you the courage and the perseverance and the faith that you need for today. But God is also ahead of you. He's in your future Isn't that an incredible thought? God is ahead of you. What is even more amazing is he's behind you. I love this idea that he's behind us, kind of sweeping up the mess. He's behind us, making everything work together for the good of those that love him. He's with us, he's ahead of us, and he's behind us, sweeping up the mess. So remember that in all of this change. Okay, new day, new way. Just a few minutes now that I want to talk to you about this new way. A new way. Isaiah 43 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. At Life Church, we honor the past. We honor the past. We thank God for the past. We thank God uh, for the men and the women that have served faithfully over the years to get us to this point. So we honor the past. But we recognize that God is doing a new thing. See, I am doing a new thing. When Jesus arrived on planet Earth, it was a new day. New wine, new wineskin. It was a new day, and there was a new way. There was a new way to approach God. There was a new way to live for God. Three things I want to share with you really quickly. The first is this, is love. Jesus said, you will recognize my disciples because of the way that they look. No. Jesus said, you'll recognize my disciples because of the kind of hairstyle they have, or because of, um, because of the kind of language that they speak or because of the kind of country that they're from. No, he said, you will recognize my disciples by the way they love each other. John 13. That is the way Jesus' disciples would be recognized, by their love for each other. Now, love's one of those difficult words, isn't it? Because in the English language, we have one word for love, which is love. But in the Greek, which was what the Bible was translated into, they have three words for love. Eros, which means, I love you because of how you make me feel. 
I love you because of how you make me feel. So some things that we love, but the love is all about how that thing makes us feel. I love chips because of how they make me feel. I love chocolate because of how... I love this TV program. I love this band. I love this sport because, or whatever it might be because of how it makes me feel. Philios, meaning brotherly love. The city of Philadelphia named after this word, Philios, uh, means this. I love you because together we are good. I love you because together we are good. But then we have this word, agapeo, which means unconditional love. Love with no strings attached. It's a new day and there's a new way. And our challenge as followers of Jesus and followers of the way is to love each other in this way. To love each other unconditionally. To be people that love the world around us unconditionally. To be people that wear love in the world that we're a part of. The second L that I want to give you this morning is life. Jesus' new way was love. It was a way of love. But it's also a way of life. Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. Jesus' first miracle is at a party, at a celebration, where he turns water into wine. I love that image. That we should be people, not people that turn water into wine, but we should be people that bring life to every situation that we're in. That we're people, not like my uncle, who speak death, but we should be people that speak life into the world around us, that we are people of the way, that we're people in this new day, we're following this new way, and it's a way of life. And the last thing I want to say to you is this, is we have a new leader. It's a new day and a new way, and we have a new leader, and his name is Jesus. Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And just in these last few minutes, I'd love to pray for people who have never put their trust and their faith in Jesus before. The challenge for all of us is to step into this new day. That's the challenge for all of us, and hopefully you've got that. That's the challenge, to step into this new day that God has got for us. To live this new way of love and life with a new leader. But for those of you who have never said yes to Jesus, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to make you the leader of my life. In this new day, I want to be part of your new way. So maybe we could all close our eyes. I'd love to pray for us now. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.